You're listening to the We Are Libertarians podcast network. Find all of our shows at wearelibertarians.com. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. According to you, from my master bedroom, I had a fantastic weekend just spending time with my wife. What we what we wanted to do really was, um, and no, no, no weird stuff is going on. In fact, I'm here by myself uh, because my wife is out, actually passed out on the couch, and I didn't want to move her away from my regular equipment because we had an awesome weekend. We, we've been running a lot of errands on the weekends, and that has really killed a lot of our you know, time in which we could be resting, doing other stuff, you know, appreciating each other's time more other than just running errands, grabbing groceries and that type of stuff. Not that that's not fun. Uh, we, I like to grab the groceries with her on the weekends or, you know, like after work or something, because I enjoy getting to spend that time with her. Um, so, I mean, while that is quality time, it's also kind of working. So we, we really want to, uh, just chill. So yesterday we slept in, we uh, went thrifting, and uh, I. Some of you might not know this about me. I like antique shopping. I like thrifting, and some of the most random stuff you find, you find in thrift stops, uh, thrift thrift stores. I almost call it a gas station, gas stop, or something. Anyway, we found uh, a giant, giant thrift shop, thrift store. I, I can't say it. it's like sweatshop, swift thrift store. We found a really awesome thrift store that has like designer clothes and other stuff. It's the biggest I've ever seen. And one of the random things we saw in there was a coffin. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll post it to the OTR Instagram. Follow me there if you haven't already. That's OTR underscore Remzo, R-E-M-S-O. And I'll post it there because I, I've, I've got some pretty weird things, weird thrift store finds in the past, but I have never once found a coffin lightly used as they tried to sell it to me. After that, we, we did a little bit of geocaching. For those of you who don't know what geocaching is, it's become really popular the last few years, especially. Basically, you join this uh, app and this site where you're given coordinates on a map, and you have to go ahead and find something. And sometimes it's a little box. Sometimes it's a hidden contraption. 
and you find it, and you can find these things anywhere, in parks, on the side of roads, buildings, schools, whatever, and you basically grab it, uh, and inside you, you might find something, like, you know, a marble or a pen or something, and you take something out, you put something in, and then you log your your name in the little card that's inside, or a little sheet of paper, and then you log it in the website. And it's it's something my wife has loved for years. Ever since we started dating, she loved geocaching. And uh, this past summer, between Maryland, Virginia, uh, Ohio, Indiana, Illinois, Michigan, and Wisconsin, she has gotten a ton of stuff on her geocaching map. So we went ahead and did a little, ge- a little bit of geocaching on Saturday. And, um, you know, today we had a good friend of mine from Virginia come up and we hung out in Milwaukee for a little bit, got some German food, went over, got some good beer, just a, just a good time. So I, I didn't plan, uh, a time to record and I'm doing this a little bit late. And, you know, when we got back, uh, he, he hit the road and we just kind of watched TV and then she passed out and, you know, I didn't want to move her. So. I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm enjoying things. And for the first time in a while, like I'm doing this on a Sunday night, like I like the job I have. I'm looking forward to another work week. I'm looking forward to uh, getting to do more things. And, you know, like I, I have, I have that work-life balance that a lot of people really strive for because I was able to match my passions with my talents and try and find a good workplace, which I eventually ended up at. And I'm working remote. I get to spend time with my wife and now, since uh, you know we've settled uh, into married life here in Wisconsin, what we're trying to do is uh, I'm trying to help her, and she's looking for a remote job as a virtual assistant. There's a giant industry demand for virtual assistants and other stuff as well. She's not, you know, she's not completely uh, barring you know part-time work in town or something like that. But you know, she hasn't worked uh, for a bit, and she worked for her father mostly. And their safety in working for family, she hasn't always had the best boss experiences when she went and worked with people other than her father. And, um, you know, like I, I get that because I've been like that too. When you go from a bad boss and then you get a real shit boss after that, and then you're like, well, maybe bad boss was the good boss. I've had great bosses and I've had bad bosses. And it seems that in this recession, you know, a lot of people said that the great, uh, the great resignation last year was ending, but I'm still seeing, I'm seeing it despite the recession and everything, because so much is shuffling. The economy is shuffling, the housing market is shuffling, the job market is shuffling. So many things are in constant flux, but people are still realizing that, you know, if you have rare and specialized skills, and if you're in an industry where there is a massive demand for people like you, you can go and move around. And you can try and hopefully find a better workplace environment and situation that matches more of what you feel comfortable in and gives you hopefully more for what you're bringing uh, of value. So I, I found this article from, I think it's a CNBC article. Yeah, it's a CNBC article in their Make It section. I know some of you are thinking, ah, oh, CNBC, but th- this is a good area. This is where they talk about money. They have the Millennial Money series that some of you might have seen Graham Stephan on YouTube do video reactions to. I, I got uh, I got my wife last weekend to watch a whole bunch of those videos where you have these millennials making a certain amount of money in major cities, and they give a breakdown of their monthly budget and stuff. Fascinating, fascinating stuff. 
But uh, this article is something I wanted to go ahead and read to you again. I get my thoughts on as we kind of cut through it. So I'm going to go ahead and read the article, and I'll stop here and there in between to kind of give my thoughts. Because if you know anything about me, if you've listened to a couple episodes in the past, you might know that I have had many jobs, many great jobs, many shit jobs, many great bosses, many shit bosses, and uh, yeah. So hopefully I can just give you a piece of my mind as you go ahead and also hear what this author has to say. And I'll make it easy for you. If you want to go back and read it later, you can go ahead and find the link to this article in the show notes. Let me clear my throat and let's go. 50% of people have quit because of a bad manager. Here are the 10 boss sign behave boss. Here are the 10. I can't read sometimes. I'm sorry. Here are the 10 boss behaviors. Uh, it's almost like the Ten Dual Commandments from Hamilton. Here are the Ten Dual Commandments. Here are the Ten Boss Behaviors Workers Hate Most. And keep a tally of maybe some of the ones that you can't stand, and some of the ones that you hate, and see whether your current boss is a bad boss. And this article is published a couple of years ago, too. I'm looking at this. March 2019. I still see people share this. I saw people share this months ago and somehow ended up on my feed recently, and I, I knew I wanted to discuss this. And this was written by Carrie Ann Ranzuli at CNBC. It's, com- it's a common adage that people leave managers, not companies. Many employees have found themselves in this situation at some point. The projects are engaging and your coworkers are great, but your relationship with your boss leaves you longing for 5 p.m. A Gallup study of more than 7,000 U.S. adults found that 50% of people leave a job to get away from their manager in order to improve their overall life at some point in their career. The same study found that for most workers, managers fall somewhat short when it comes to developing their employees' strengths, providing consistent feedback, and establishing clear performance goals. But... Workers often deal with far more toxic behavior from their bosses than those three issues, and when that happens, it sends them running to job sites immediately. So what manager behaviors provoke the ire of employees most? The cardinal sin, according to their subordinates, is playing favorites. That's right. That's according to a survey of more than 800 employees conducted by Signs.com a company which customized signage and presentation materials. 82% of men deemed this habit unacceptable, while women took greater offense, with 92% calling it out, likely because they're far more frequently latent and explicit discrimination at work that keeps them from the outside of such privileged circles. And let's, uh, let's go ahead and look at this chart. Ooh, they go ahead and break it down between men and women. They're looking particularly at women right now, most unacceptable manager behaviors. Let's go ahead and break this down. Uh, Playing favorites, 82%. Making informal threats to fire workers, 82%. My last boss uh, tried doing that. Um, Making romantic advances towards employees. I have seen that at places I've, I've interned at in the past. I was actually having a conversation about one of the places where I was an intern about six years ago where a lot of the uh, editors and supervisors were actively putting the moves on uh, younger female interns. Uh, using drugs or alcohol at work. Uh, one of my bosses had that at the last place. Um, using company expense accounts for personal items. Uh, yeah, a few bosses ago. Yeah, yeah, that happened. 
Mentioning poor performance to coworkers. Uh-huh. I've seen that before. Taking credit for other employees' work. Hell to the yes, I've seen that. Tardiness. You know, as much as you as much as you probably associate that, I've never actually seen that, but it doesn't surprise me that other people have. Uh, canceling a meeting five minutes before starting, especially if I ever had to bring a client in or somebody new, and they and the other person cancels and they leave me if nothing, and then they're like, "Oh, why didn't you keep the meeting going?" And it's like because you had all the notes, fucker. Um, yeah, no, and, and there's just women answering this, so it's uh. You know, I'm surprised making romantic advances towards employees wasn't number two, but making informal threats to fire workers, uh, that, you know, usually people think that might just happen in movies, but I've, I've seen that far more often than I'd like to say. Um, you know, when you hear, when you hear about coworkers dealing with that, it's just, uh, especially the coworkers you like and coworkers you trust, that's, that's just never a good thing. Continuing, uh, workers were also keen to leave bullying in the schoolyard. Bosses who made informal threats to fire employees were deemed just as bad as those who selected favorites by men, with 82% saying that this habit was unacceptable. Slightly more women, 84% agreed. Bosses who abused their position to gain monetary or sexual rewards are also deeply disliked. Almost 80% of men, 85% of women disapproved of managers who use company expense accounts to pay for non-work personal expenses. Only 80%? That should just be an outright like 100% rule. Who are these 10 to 15% of people that are cool with that? With any of this, none of this should be acceptable. Who are the people saying that these behaviors are acceptable? That I, I just realized that. That means – so that, that means that for the playing favorites card, 18% – found it acceptable. 18% found the informal threats acceptable. Uh, all the other stuff. Yeah, that's that, that, that's a lot. Oh my God, that's that's horrible. Who are these people? Who? Who are they? Uh, continuing, more than 80% of men and women felt any romantic advances as a sign made toward colleagues as, was unacceptable. Only 80%? This is, this should be wrong. This should be a hundred percent wrong. You don't do that to your coworkers. You don't do that to subordinates. What the fuck? Perhaps uh, perhaps a sign that movements like the hashtag Me Too movement are causing all workers to reflect on how workplace power dynamics can influence sexual misconduct. Uh, perhaps a little shocking though was that women still rated bosses' romantic advances more acceptable than other behaviors such as mentioning employees' poor job performance in front of other coworkers or taking credit for others' work. Maybe it's because they the boss is cute or something. Like maybe they want maybe they want the boss to hit on them because maybe they think they can get away with more. You know, may, maybe we need to start thinking about why some people find these behaviors acceptable. Are are they taking part in it? Are they benefiting from it? I think that should be the big question. Why, why do they deem it acceptable? Uh, time management was another problem area for managers. Those with packed schedules or who are prone to overrun set meeting times um, might want to build in some extra wiggle room. Three quarters of men and 81% of women objected to their bosses canceling meetings on short notice. And general tardiness upset 70%, 77% of men and 79% of women, maybe because such habits signal that employees' time and input aren't priorities. Hallelujah, yeah, 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 we've all been there. 
Slightly less offensive behaviors concern choices typically made by managers outside office hours. Last place, as soon as that started happening, um, I immediately knew that this this was only going to grow more. Uh, slightly less offensive behaviors concern choices typically made by managers outside office hours, such as their general hygiene and alcohol usage. I want to comment on the outside hours thing because I think it's – especially in America. And I say America because when I speak with people in Europe, Asia, even Canada, well, let's put it that way. When I talk to people outside of the United States, they're actually fascinated by this, by people that work before the workday starts and people that work after 5 p.m. is hit. I made it very clear uh, when I was working at Parlor, specifically that I would, I, I would, I knew I was going to end up working more than forty hours a week. I was a junior executive at that company; I had to. But it got to the point where my my bosses treated me like I was on the clock twenty four seven. I was getting calls at four or five a.m. in the morning, three a.m. emails. Um, you know, I, I would be out. Like, you know, at dinner, like around 7, 8 p.m., and I'm getting calls and messages from my boss, and that everyone is expected to be on call all the time. I, I don't, in the, in the three and a half months I worked for that company, I had no days off. No days off. I worked Christmas. Um, I worked Thanksgiving. I worked, uh, uh, I, I worked, well, actually, no, I, I take it back. I wasn't even there for Christmas. I, I left at that point. So shit, yeah, no, yeah, I, know. I was unemployed on on Christmas 2020. That was a sucky Christmas. But like, uh, at one point, I tried taking a sick day, and I couldn't even get a full sick day. I had to work. It was it was horrible on National Guard duty weekends in 2020. Um, when I was working there, I, I was still expected to respond to things. It was it was horrible, horrible, and they did it intentionally because they didn't respect me. And I promised myself after that that would never happen. That's why you know. At, a, at the last place I worked when it got to the point where they started bleeding my office time after hours and then it bled into weekends abruptly, that was a big red flag that it's time to start looking for work because bosses, once they learn that they could take more of your time, they never give it back. Your, your time just becomes theirs and they continue to take and take and take and take. I want to find something real fast. Let's go to the good old Google machine. Give me a moment. Yeah, that's right. A real podcaster would have had this stuff prepped. I, I'm an amateur. I'm just figuring this out on the spot. Um, bad boss behaviors. Let's see. This is a Forbes article. I want to look at this. I want to dive deeper. This is from uh, Forbes, and this was actually published oh four years ago. But if it's good, the stuff will still stand. We'll have to make an assessment. 12 traits bad bosses have in common. This is what I really want to see. Uh, same rules as last time. I'll read to give my thoughts, and I'll include this in the show notes. Okay. It's often said that people quit bosses, not jobs. A bad boss can make a good job miserable and a bad job unbearable. Beyond the negative impact on individual employees, ineffective managers can also cost companies tons of money in turnover and lost productivity. While bosses may be bad for different reasons, there are a few traits that many of them have in common. From micromanagement to lack of empathy, here are 12 red flags to watch for in a manager, according to members of the Young Entrepreneur Council. 1. Micromanagement Micromanagement may, may be effective sometimes, but what if the micromanagement exists across all functions of a business? 
The leaders have what it takes to run a business. Hiring people that are great for what they do speeds up business growth. For example, they should have the freedom to plan and execute their own based on objectives set by the bosses. Micromanaging not only limits an employee's ability to deliver success, but also causes the boss to stretch themselves too thin and not lead the company well. Micromanagement leads to distrust and only serves to a slow business down long term, so it's best to avoid it. Two, one-size-fits-all approach to management. There is no objectively bad style of managing. The job of a manager is to make sure that a team is aligned on its mission and has the support and resources it needs to achieve the mission, but every employee is different. So the only way to accomplish that is to tailor your messaging, coaching, and communication to best fit that individual. Bad bosses don't show an appetite to learn, and instead offer a one-size-fits-all approach. They say, the this is my style of being a boss type of excuse. They are impatient when an employee doesn't, quote, get it, and they don't invest the time in learning the right way to manage each individual. Three, doesn't lead by example. I think we can all think of some examples, if not already, from the last two. In my experience, the best leaders are those who are in the trenches and execute. The work, the, the, worst, have, the worst have always been those who think they are too good to get their hands dirty and who don't even know how to execute on the company's service or don't understand or use the products. True leaders lead by example. That includes rolling up your sleeves, sitting in with different teams and departments, helping out and executing to fully understand their day-to-day. It's a great way to identify needs, inefficiencies, and strengths. More than anything, employees have great respect for those who lead by example. Um, lack of empathy. What ins- and this is number four. What inspires a team of employees is working for a leader they feel understands them, listens to them, and directs them accordingly. There are always going to be challenges in the workplace, and the one important thing that leaders can do is empathize with their employees. It is frustrate, is, is a, if a frustrated client takes it out on an employee, talk them through it. If an employee makes a mistake, take the time to understand where things went wrong before passing judgment. Having empathy shows employees their leaders care and is invested in their future. Not having the quality will ensure will almost ensure high employee turnover and low productivity. Five, focused on blame rather than solutions and support. I had a boss at Parlor who okay, let, let me tell you about the situation. I can't go into certain details because I signed a contract, yada yada. Let me just say this. I had to go ahead and I was tasked by our president to go ahead and create a big program to support certain influencers. I created and executed the program, and the day it was supposed to launch, the same boss who was in on the meeting, who approved everything and signed off on it, obviously must have had like a giant brain fart or he didn't understand, but long story short, he flipped his shit and halted it mid-execution while people were expecting results. Then boss number two, who was really acted like the, the boss number one, because boss number one listened to what boss number two said and who just ran the company into the ground. Um, He went ahead, and by the way, he also was at the first meeting where everyone said they were cool with it. He also signed off on the documents approving the plan. He went ahead and immediately was like, sloppy execution, poor planning. 
um, you know, piss poor work. I mean, he just immediately like started insulting me. And he was like, you just did this on your own and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, no, you were all at the meeting. You all gave feedback. You all approved the plan. And then when I gave it to you in writing, you all signed off on it. And then they were all silent. And, and, and then, you know, all this shit just went through because the truth is they never pay attention. And um, they just, they, they, I think, I think boss number two wanted to see me fail. I think boss number two did something to intentionally set me up for failure. But that's neither here nor there. Those people exist and they're in this world and they breathe the same air as us and they shit in the same places. It's terrifying to think of. But yeah, when I think of focusing blame on others rather than solutions and support, that motherfucker is the first person I think of. My own pet peeves, I'm, I'm continuing, my own pet peeves about, bo- about bad bosses are hypocrisy and lack of consistency. However, not supporting your team is the number one biggest mistake of all. Everyone makes mistakes. Good leaders minimize the damage by looking for solutions. More training, changing jobs, changing strategies or or goals, etc. Good leaders do not pounce on the mistakes as a way to prop up their position, casting blame so they can deflect any blame that comes their way. A worker blames the machinery, the supervisor blames the worker, the manager blames the supervisor, the head of the company blames the manager. Somewhere along this chain of denial, What's wrong with the saying, let's focus on solutions so it doesn't happen again? Cannot disagree. I mean, cannot agree with that more. Completely agree. Six, uses their their team as pawns for their own success. The trait common to all bad bosses I come across is the belief that their team exists only to facilitate their own advancement. Mistakes are only mistakes if they make the boss look bad. Actions are only praise if they make the boss look good. The quality of the work and the morale of the team are largely irrelevant. Good managers, though, are the opposite. They get out of their way to make sure the team looks good. They see it as their job to lead to help the team to do great work, and they do that by letting each member fulfill their potential. This type of management has the best outcomes over the long term. You can gauge the health of a company by observing which type of boss flourishes. The bad bosses can make their way up the hierarchy. You might want to consider can working elsewhere if that happens. Yeah, if the, ba- if the bad guys are moving up, you know that there's something just poisonous in the whole situation. Number seven, lack of focus. I've worked a lot of jobs in the industry with a lot of bosses who were both good and bad. The one thing I've noticed with good bosses is that they had a clear vision of what they wanted to accomplish and planned each day around moving closer to that goal. Whether this goal was moving units, improving customer satisfaction, or designing new products, the common thread was focus. On the other hand, bad bosses tended to be inconsistent with their goals. They would often change strategies or priorities each week. I remember one boss who would shake things up multiple times a day. Bosses like these can be nice, intelligent, creative, or experienced, but their lack of focus is what ultimately makes them bad at their jobs. 8. Taking credit for others' work. I had a supervisor at my last place that was like this. And it immediately, I, I let it slide and I didn't think it mattered. And I thought, you know, maybe I'm just not understanding something. But no, this, this bitch was stealing my work. Um, taking credit for someone else's success is never a good idea. And it gets worse when a boss is the perpetrator. This becomes a big problem because employees usually have little to no way to establish that the ideas in question were theirs in the first place. Even if they can, it will not be looked upon kindly by their bosses. 
Taking credit for the work of subordinates makes it makes for ineffective leaders because it dampens any motivations employees might have. After all, people want to be recognized and challenged with even tougher goals. Upon realizing that there's no credit for that for the taking, it is natural for any employee to lose their drive. A boss taking all the limelight is not just unfair to employees, but also detrimental to their careers. Number nine. No respect for employees. Big one. We can all think of examples of this. Everyone, if you've if you're if you if you haven't been living under a rock, has experienced this. Number nine. No respect for employees. Ineffective leaders typically have don't ineffective leaders typically don't have mutual respect with their employees. A leader needs to do the work, listen to their employees, learn constantly, and have respect for the employees they manage. Without these four elements, employees will have a difficult time giving their manager respect, and the potential for great, for a great relationship is instantly ruined. Employees want to feel that their opinions matter and that their leaders value their input. It doesn't make any sense to hire someone unless they will add to your business. Make them feel that every day, they, uh, every day giving them responsibility and respecting them enough to step back and do what you hired them to do. And when they feel respected, they will respect you in return. Number 10, little to no self-awareness. Ha, 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 ha. I feel like this person, I may have worked with the same person before or same people. Uh, leaders who lack self-awareness are chronically bad bosses. For a founder to gain and retain respect, they must do the same heavy lifting as the rest of their staff and be aware of their own actions and repercussions in the climate of a corporate culture. Office culture and work ethics will be determined by the founder's behavior and communication. If a founder plays an armchair role in dictating and criticizing work that they have not attempted themselves, the effects are corrosive to the core values of the company or service. Practicing self-awareness increases the likelihood of picking up on potential weaknesses in your business model and personnel. This practice and effort to be self-aware grows your business and helps you align with your workforce. Number 11, a sense of entitlement rather than a sense of duty. An organization works better when its members work together. Among a company's leaders, the good ones serve their subordinates and help them toward their goals. Both the business's targets and every individual's personal aspirations, great leaders can influence the, later, the latter to be in line with company interests. A, boss, a bad boss expects to be served, and then they have a vision that they share with their staff rather than their own companies. That kind of leadership often results in a toxic work environment, which typically stifles a business's growth. People naturally imitate the ones they look up to. Bad work ethics from terrible bosses often get subconsciously mimicked by those beneath them in the org chart, whereas great leaders inspire their colleagues to become better employees and better people. And then number 12, the final one, expects all employees to be like them. Uh, Boss at Parlor called me at 1130 uh, one time and he knew that I was on the East Coast and I was working uh, Pacific time hours. So even though it was around, um, you know, let's say uh, 8 or 9 p.m. at the time, he called me knowing that I was three hours ahead and I was sleeping. And it was on a, it was like on a Thursday night. And he calls me and he expects to have a full work conversation. And, you know, he called me in bed. I, I turn around, I see him. I'm thinking, oh, my boss is calling me at midnight. This must be something bad. So I pick up the phone 
and I pick it up, and he's like, Remzo, uh, blah, 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 blah. I'm like, yeah, yeah, like I'm waking up. He's like, wait, are, are, are you awake? I'm like, I was, I was sleeping. And I thought this was a joke at first, but then I realized he was serious. <sighs> Man, I, I don't sleep till like 1, 2 a.m. I work all night until I go to sleep. Man, you, you gotta, uh, man, like you, you gotta hustle. Like you gotta work, man. Like you, you can't, you can't sleep like this. Like, you know, I, I, I never do that. And I'm like, oh, well, you know, it's, I'm, I, I was just like, I'm like, how do I respond to that? Like you're telling me it's midnight and, and like a normal fucking person wouldn't be asleep at this time and I'm not working hard enough. Like I work for you 10 hours a day, man. Like, this is ridiculous. And this weekend, they'll probably end up putting in another five, six hours of work. Like, what the fuck? And after that, I realized that with this dude, shit was not going to work out. Ah, the bad bosses look for the qualities that made them successful and measure employees by the same criteria. Bad bosses also try and mold others into the, uh, what the boss believes their employees should be. This is ineffective because you can't change people. Good bosses identify people's strengths and put them in the position to use those strengths. Great bosses also have empathy and emotional intelligence about what they what people care about. Instead of projecting what they care about onto their employees, a great boss wants to evaluate their employee wants to elevate their employees to achieve their maximum potential while respecting what they care about. Well, this was uh, surely interesting, and it got me thinking about stuff. And I think I, I've, I'm at the point now where I really do understand what I've wanted in my life, what I expect in people, what people should expect in me. And um, you know, I hope that if you're in a situation where you identified one or more of these features, you either change it if you can or you look for other places because you're a phenomenal individual regardless of where you are or what you do. You deserve respect. You do good work. You want to grow more in your personal and professional development, and you need people to get there. And if you're afraid those good bosses aren't out there, I promise you they are. If you're afraid those opportunities aren't out there, I promise you they are. Hope it got you thinking, and hope maybe if you need a sign that you need to reevaluate your workplace, this is it. So as always, thanks again for tuning in. If you got value out of this, please give a little bit of value back, a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts, Google, Stitcher, Play. Every listening to the show across Al Gore's amazing internet helps us get more conversations like these out there to help people find that dangerous freedom they want in their life and their lifetime. Most of me, Martinez, be good, be safe, good night.